COVID-19 numbers continue to rise. Disney makes some big announcements. And is Cloudflare a buy? This is the Running With The Money podcast. Let's get into it. The market is, well, selling off today on a Friday. Man, that does not make for a fun Friday. Anyway, the market is selling off. The Dow Jones is down 101 points. NASDAQ down 100 points. And the S&P 500 down 24 points. And really, it's all coming off of this massive run that we saw in November. And, you know, it's somewhat warranted. I was looking at charts yesterday, and there was just not many attractive trades to make. Not many attractive charts out there, especially in the big names that you typically look at um, to catch a big move. For instance, you know, we're looking at a Disney at all-time highs. And whether that's warranted or not, you know, I'd say probably half their business is still shut down, if not more. Um, And it's just a lot of things like that that led me to believe that the market would likely have this little short-term sell-off. And sure enough, we are experiencing somewhat of a sell-off here, Um, maybe a short-term pullback before we continue to the upside going into 2021. We'll just have to wait and see. But some massive news, some massive headlines across the board, and we have to dig into all of them. Now, of course, we almost lead off every episode, it seems like, with COVID-19 numbers, and we probably should, given that that is probably the most important thing um, when it comes to the social aspect of the United States and our markets at the current moment. Now, COVID-19 numbers continue to rise. It seems like they're never ending at this point, if not getting worse since the start of this. Total cases in in the U.S. are now at 15.61 million, total deaths topping 290,000, and the seven-day average of new cases reaching 210,000. It's officially broken 200,000, um, and it's probably much more than that. This is not good stuff, but we do have some positivity um, across the world and across the nation um, when it comes to defeating this thing. Uh, the UK is finally, in, on Tuesday, as we noted, is rolling out their vaccine. Uh, it sounds like that is going well. Um, not only that, but more lockdowns and restrictions are being implemented in the United States. But the good news is that the Pfizer vaccine was recommended for approval by the advisory panel yesterday night, which is excellent. Um, so that is going to be one thing to keep an eye on. Now, we have to take a look. We have to. At a name that I believe has, well, it just made headlines last night and it continues to make waves today. It's up huge, um, which is crazy to me. It's up 21 points today, which is insane. But that would be Disney. Disney announced some major, um, you know, just factors to the company last night, and we're going to dig into them. So Disney Plus, first off, they announced, has already hit 86.8 million subscribers and more. And that is very impressive, especially given the competition. You know, Disney is going up with this Disney Plus. They're going up against the likes of Netflix, Apple, uh, Apple TV Plus, you know, Hulu, Roku, they're going up against a huge, and there's way more than that, but they're going up against a vast array of streaming services, Um, and there's so many more. I mean, even from the independent organizations, for instance, NBC, CBS, Fox, um, they're all coming out with streaming services, and that's a lot of competition. I believe Fox is owned by Disney, though, so not Fox, but either way, you know, it's the fact that they are growing this much with that much competition out there is bonkers and you know 
the numbers and the projections that they are giving investors, um, you know, it, it, it contemplates whether, you know, this 13% gain on the stock was warranted. And I believe, you know, taking a look at the numbers, I don't believe the stock should be at 175, but I understand why it is at 175. Now, D Disney announced last night as well that they expect 230 to 260 million subscribers by 2024. That's more than double what they have now. Not only that, but Disney shared around 100 new projects um, last night, and 80% of them are going to Disney+. Plus. I mean, they announced like a ton of new Star Wars series, which seem to always be successful. They announced even more projects on top of that. A bunch of Marvel announcements came out, um, and nearly all of them are going to Disney+. Plus. As, as we said, 80% of 100 new projects, roughly, are going to Disney+. Plus. That's going to be a huge amount of content that is all based on blockbuster series um, going to one platform and I believe that Disney is going to attract so many subscribers through that poll that it will be insane and that's likely why the stock is up 13% today now not only that but investors also like the fact that Disney's already planning to raise subscriptions um, they're planning to raise the subscription amount by a dollar here in the near future and then even more later and this has warranted some big upgrades already this morning we have seen Goldman um, Sachs raise their price target on Disney to 200 bucks a share and it seems like Disney is just getting upgrades like crazy and you know this stock could be a $250 stock in no time and here is why yes you can look at valuation but what investors are buying coming out of this pandemic and we're coming out of it going into 2021 is going to be the comeback from this pandemic you know what investors are buying is they're buying the recovery plays they're buying the names that are going to recover throughout this comeback within the pandemic and what those names include are disney you know disney is an excellent comeback play but at the same time it has a streaming service in which continues to be used continues to be popular and you know they're going up and they're beating the competition right now it seems like no problem so you know this is really when it comes down to um picking independent stocks picking the winners and getting rid of the losers within your portfolio disney's a winner um you know unfortunately i have been wrong i thought we were going to see a pullback on disney given how overbought it was but this thing just continues to move higher and you know it's hard to say it's hard to say you know wait for a pullback at this point because there's so much positivity around the streaming service alone and then on top of that when parks reopen i believe the stock will get another boost um and when people are getting vaccinated the stock will likely get another boost you know it's a pure vaccine play it's a pure comeback play and um on top of that you add this whole streaming factor to it and investors just love it but we have to dig into some other big analyst calls on the street today. For instance, Nike was initiated as overweight by KeyBank. I like Nike. I think it's a winner. Um, Nike is leading the apparel space, in my opinion, um, especially the athletic apparel space. You know, they're consistent winners. They have that iconic brand. And I believe that Nike is going to be a long-term winner and probably a short-term winner. Tesla, downgraded to hold from buy by Jefferies. Now, you can argue this um but tesla is it's so high it's gone so far but they also got price target upgrades today so tesla is it's a tough one um it's almost like yeah go buy it because it's always it's always going up but as we know things that go up must come down eventually and tesla you know there's a likelihood it eventually sees a pullback you know a stock can't just go up forever and it's gone on this nearly 700 percent more than 700 percent run in just the past few months here and at some point, I believe the stock will come down, but 
anytime soon. Who knows? Deutsche Bank calls UPS a buy, and I firmly agree with this. The stock got hammered yesterday for no reason, no reason whatsoever. And, you know, I completely agree with this buy call on UPS. UPS is an excellent buy here at its current price point. I don't th- I think you're crazy not to buy it. I um probably will enter the name once again. I took profits on it once it hit 170 cuz it hit a resistance zone, popped back down through. I mean, it's up 4 points again today. It's back up. Yesterday it was down 5, now it's up 4. I would still buy it at 168. I think it's a buy. Um you know, you have to think throughout this whole entire winter holiday season, what we are going to see and what UPS is going to see is an immense amount of shipping volume. And also they are taking care of most of the vaccine shipping. Um, I believe half of it with FedEx. So, you know, you have to, you have to say, okay, they're going to see so much business. It's almost like they're going to have probably one of the best quarters they've ever had. And new newer management is in. And I think UPS is a long-term winner. I think with the digital boom um, and more shopping through the online that we are going to see UPS get even more average volume throughout the next uh, few years. And I firmly do believe that UPS is a long-term winner. Now we have to dig into a cloud name. Yes, that's right. A cloud name when we probably should be picking up the reopening names, but I want you to have both. As I said, I like that barbell approach slightly weighted towards the reopening side, but I still want you to have these tech names, these cloud names, because those are the future. Um, while they may have a short term neutral zone or, you know, they might have choppy action over the next few months, long term, they're going to be winners. And we have to talk about Cloudflare. So many people have been asking me about Cloudflare um, on Twitter on every social media platform that the team and I are on, it seems like it's a consistent name that is always coming up. The stock is like crazy. Um, It just has gone up so far this year and the thing does not stop. So we're going to dig into it. We're going to dig into the numbers and we're going to dig into what does the company do? So Cloudflare is a major software and IT services cloud company that owns and operates a significant cloud platform used to deliver a vast array of services to many different businesses. And according to the company's website, Cloudflare serves 20 million HTTP requests per second on average and serves data in over 100 different countries and 200 cities around the world. So this is not a small company, people. Now, their customer list was one of the most impressive things to me. I take a look at their customers, um, and they have worked with DoorDash, Shopify, Thompson Reuters, Zendesk, some of these major companies, and many more. And that was impressive to me. They've already built up a huge customer list um, of, you know, huge, huge customers. And I use huge a lot here, and, you know, it's warranted. You know, they're a larger company. They're upcoming in the cloud space. And while there are a lot of players, I believe there's enough market space to grow, especially with the customer base that they've already built out. Now, taking a look at Cloudflare's earnings, the numbers have been improving over the course of the last five quarters. You know, they're relatively new, so they're still working towards reporting that positive EPS. Um, They're still working towards, you know, the typical things you see out of a new company. And taking a look at their earnings, Cloudflare reported a Q3 beat with an EPS of negative two cents versus the EPS consensus estimate of negative five cents. So a solid beat on EPS. Cloudflare also saw plenty of growth under the hood with third quarter revenues totaling $114.2 million, representing 54% year over year growth. Management also reported a gross profit of $87.2 million, and that equates to a gross margin of roughly 76.3%. So solid earnings numbers coming out of Cloudflare. Now, 
Cloudflare did still run an operating loss of $21.3 million, which represents roughly 18.3% of revenues. Um, but on the flip side of that, the loss has improved drastically from the previous year's Q3 loss of $41.1 million. So they cut that operating loss nearly in half. So I was happy to see that. Um, in the net loss, Cloudflare reported was $26.5 million versus the Q3 2019 net loss of $40.9 million. So they pretty much cut their loss year over year in half, which I found uh, very impressive. That is a lot of progress. And, you know, earnings progress here throughout the last few quarters has been significant. Now, when it comes to Q4 guidance, management expects total revenues of $117.5 million to $118.5 million, along with a non-GAAP loss from operations of 10 to $9 million. So it seems they expect to decrease that loss, the operating loss, even more by nearly half. So I am very happy with those numbers. Now, when it comes to the full year, Cloudflare management expects total revenues of $422.5 million to $423.5 million and a non-GAAP loss from operations from 38 to $37 million. So, you know, every, all the numbers are improving. They are consistently improving and consistently growing. And that is what I like about Cloudflare. The, the earnings numbers were impressive to me. Um, now, the balance sheet was also quite impressive, but I would like to quote what the CEO said in the earnings call. He said, on quote, our third quarter represented many significant milestones, including surpassing $100 million in revenue for the quarter, crossing 100,000 paying customers and releasing more than a dozen new products and features. So that was CEO Matthew Prince of Cloudflare. Very, very impressive numbers coming out of the company. Um, it seems management is executing well, and the balance sheet is also well balanced. Um, we take a look at the balance sheet. Total debt, $375 million. Total liabilities, $545 million. But then you get to the assets and cash insurance from investments, since this is what I like to see in a balance sheet. Their assets, $1.371 billion. Cash and short term investments, $1.055 billion. Their assets and cash far outweigh their liabilities and debt, and that is exactly what you want to see in a balance sheet. Now, when it comes to valuation of the stock itself, um, it is quite pricey. You know, it's at a price to sales around 61 times, and it's at a price to book of around 68 times, which is significant. But you're paying up for a company that is seeing consistent growth. Um, they're seeing growth into the future. Their projections are excellent. Their guidance is solid. It's kind of hard to argue against a high um, valuation here when the future prospects of the company are also very high. Um, so, you know, you might want to nibble here at 80 bucks a share. It's been struggling to get above it. And if it falls back anymore, buy some more. But the earnings numbers are quite solid. Now, when it comes to management, effectiveness, and performance, they are a relatively new company. Um, but there is definitely room for improvement. You know, their return on equity is negative 14.49%. Their return on assets is negative 10.27%. And the return on invested capital is negative 11.33%. So, you know, there is room for improvement, definitely. Um, but so far, they have done quite a good job, in my opinion. Now, given the numbers, the analysts remain neutral on Cloudflare, with the mean price target sitting around $70.23 per share. That represents roughly a negative 12% downside. Um, it is also important to note that Cloudflare's high price target is $87 per share and low price target is $44 per share. So the overall consensus on Cloudflare is quite neutral, um, you know, if not a little bearish, but it is quite neutral. And I think that's all in part because it's a slightly new company and there's a lot of competition and it's going to be tough for the company 
to gain traction in a field of business that is so, you know, at this point, I would say condensed. There's so much competition um, in a single space that it could be hard for them to grow and they could be one of the companies pushed out, but I really don't think so. These are excellent numbers coming out of uh, Cloudflare and I really like them. Now, uh, taking a look at the technicals, the technicals are quite solid. You know, it's still slightly overbought, but not too overbought at this point. It's definitely pulled back some. Um, so overall, I like Cloudflare long term. Um, the ticker symbol is NET Net. Um, if you want to look it up, but yes, I do like Cloudflare long term. For any of you asking, short term, um, it is quite expensive as we noted. And waiting for a pullback, and we might get one. The likelihood of getting one is probably kind of high here. Given that we're coming out of the pandemic, so technology is likely going to take a backseat just for a little bit um, until we are back to normal life somewhat. Now, taking a look at Penn National uh, Gaming, we have to take a look at Penn National, the famous Penn National Gaming, Penn Stock, um, as Dave Portnoy always was pumping it out there. But anyway... You know, we have to take a look at Penn National Gaming. So many people have been asking about it lately. It's at 76 bucks a share. That breakdown just dropped today. So if you want to check out the Penn National Breakdown and the Cloudflare Breakdown and any breakdown that the team does, we do one pretty much every day now. Go to runningwiththemoney.com. But we're going to dig into this Penn National Breakdown. So the market cap, $11.7 billion. Currently trading roughly around 76 bucks a share. And the 52-week high is $80 per share, roughly. Um, so Penn National Gaming is a major U.S. owner of racetracks, casinos, and the majority owner of Barstool Sports, as we know. Now, throughout the past several years, Penn National has been attempting a significant push into sports, the sports betting market, which has mostly been successful given the recent legalizations of sports betting across the nation. Um, and we have seen a similar trend here with, for instance, DraftKings and a few other names, um, but this big push into the sports betting world, especially digitally, is big, and I believe it's going to be a big market in the future. Now, not only that, but Penn National also saw and capitalized on the opportunity to acquire 50% of Barstool Sports for roughly $225 million, valuing Barstool around $450 million. I think this was an excellent move by the company. It gave them access to a vast amount of media, popular media. Um, Dave Portnoy has built Penn, uh, not Penn, but has built Barstool Sports into what I would call one of the best and most entertaining media companies. I would argue in the, this is hard. I would say within the last 10 years, um, there are not many media companies that have the pull and the grasp and the entertainment level that barstool does throughout social media on a social media basis i mean they you cannot scroll through for for instance instagram facebook um or snapchat without seeing something related to barstool which is quite incredible their podcast have become very popular um and dude given that i firmly believe that penn national definitely made a good choice here now digging in to the numbers penn national gaming delivered a q3b with an eps of 93 cents versus the eps consensus consensus estimate of 53 cents so you know a solid beat on eps and not only that but you know revenues came back because as we all know penn national the majority of the company is in the casino and racetracks and those haven't been open due to the due to the pandemic there's been a lot of restrictions on 
So they have come back excellently. Um, if you really dig into it, Penn National reported total Q3 revenues of $1.1297 billion, far better than their Q2 revenues of $306 million. So significant increase in revenues, revenues back on track. But that revenue number um, for Q3 was still down 16%, so there's still more room to go. They uh, also reported an adjusted EBDA of $343.6 million and an adjusted avatar of $452.6 million for the third quarter. That's represented roughly an 11% increase. Um, overall, you know, it was it was solid quarter. Penn National reported a stronger Q3 net income of $141 million, much better than the net income of 2019, which was $44 million. So net income also improved. Uh, quoting management here, management noted that, quote, the current operating environment has demonstrated the resilience of our teams and operations as we've made significant modifications to our business model to respond to new volumes, offerings, and ongoing restrictions. So, you know, the pandemic has definitely weighed on Penn National. So shifting into the balance sheet. Oh, and we have to talk about the sports book app, Barstool Sportsbook app that Penn recently launched with Barstool. Um, that app is I mean, just doing amazing. They launched it in Pennsylvania. It broke records. 48,000 people roughly registered um, with the Sportsbook, Sportsbook app in Pennsylvania alone. Uh, and the more impressive factor, though, was the fact that within just the first 73 days, the app generated $78 million throughout 30,000 first-time depositors. So, the Sportsbook app, Penn National's push in the sports betting online and digitally um, is successful and seems to be successful. So, digging into the balance sheet, total debt, $6.7 billion, total liabilities, $12.1 billion, total assets, $14.8 billion, and cash and from investments, $1.873 billion. So, balance sheet needs improvement, definitely. Um, but the valuation of the stock itself really isn't bad. You know, you're looking at a price to sales 2.98 times, a price to book of 4.44 times, and a price to cash flow of roughly 12 times. Um, so that wasn't a terrible valuation for me. I don't see that as too bad. Um, it is a little pricey, but it's not too pricey. Um, management performance, they definitely have room for improvement. They could improve. Um, taking a look, return on equity, negative 33%. Return on assets, negative 5.32%. And return on invested capital, negative 6.8%. 5.67%. So definitely could improve. The price targets are roughly all below what the current stock price is. So the market is a little bearish on it, probably given the pandemic. Um, the big money is quite involved though, with 87.30% of Penn National being owned by institutions. And your top holders are the usual um, big names, Fidelity Management, BlackRock Institutional Trust, and the Vanguard Group. Um, technically, you know, Yes, Penn National is still a little overbought, but I don't think it's too far gone. I think you can nibble on it here, and I like Penn National as a long-term pick. Um, Penn National, I think, is going to be very successful in the future, and given that Barstool Sports acquisition, I think that's going to even strengthen the portfolio of Penn National significantly. Um, so that is the show. Thank you all for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the commentary on Cloudflare and Penn National and the coronavirus and pretty much everything affecting the markets and a few independent names. Um, if you want to get all the breakdowns that my team and I come out with, go to runningwithmoney.com where you can get all of our information, all of our content completely free, including this podcast. Um, so check it out, runningwithmoney.com. Also check out our merch, uh, runningwithmoney.shop. It's some awesome trader-oriented gear. Check that out. But thank you all for listening. Remember to follow me and my team at Running With The Money 
on Instagram and Facebook and me at Luke Danae on Twitter. Thank you all for listening. This was another successful episode of the Running With The Money podcast. I will see you Monday.